everybody, and welcome to the Final Femme Podcast. I'm your host, Sydney, with my co-host, Jack. Hi, Sid. <laughs> how are you? Hi, Jack. <laughs> good, how are you? <laughs> Pretty good. Good. Well, so this week we watched Event Horizon, which it's one of my favorites, and I need to stop offering up my favorites because it's like leading a little tiny baby lamb to slaughter. But anyways, Jack, what would you think? It's on the chopping block, Sid. Um, I thought it was okay, actually. It wasn't. It was. It was okay. It was okay. Jack. Well, I'm glad you didn't hate it. I suppose at this point, that's all I, was I can gonna ask say. For. <laughs> that's something. That is something. You're right. Okay. Well, so Event Horizon came out August fifteenth, nineteen ninety seven, and it was directed by Paul W. S. Anderson, written by Philip Eisner. It was put out by Paramount Pictures. And I actually have a fun, weird little fact about this before we get to, like, the budget and all that stuff. Okay. So this was supposed to come out, I think it was supposed to come out a little later, but Titanic was supposed to be released July of 1997, but they kept getting delays. So Paramount Pictures was like, oh, shit, we have a hole to fill, which is why this got bumped up to August 15th, 1997. They had to, like, cut out, I think, like, at least half an hour from this movie. So Perfect. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. The hour or the movie is an hour and 36 minutes, which fits Jack's schedule. His busy Thank schedule. you, studio, for that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Anyways, this stars Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, Catherine Quinlan, but it's got a lot of big names in it. It also has Jason Isaacs, who plays Lucius Malfoy in Harry Potter, which I have been doing a reread and a rewatch with a friend of mine. And I haven't read it or watched it since I was a kid. So it's been a lot of fun. So I recognize Jason Isaacs right away. I, I've i seen him before. He has, he has a face that I've like seen before. And I'm looking at his stuff here. It's definitely not Harry Potter that I know him from. Maybe the Patriot. That's a face I've seen before. And maybe the, the Death Patriot? of Stalin. Yeah, I guess. Oh, he's the bad guy. That's what it is. He's the main bad guy. Is Stalin? In, no, in... in... <laughs> <laughs> in the Patriot. Sorry, I switched gears there a little bit. Oh, I was going to say he's a bad guy in Harry Potter, but he's not the main one. Yes. Okay. And then Lawrence Fishburne was in The Matrix, and Sam Neill was obviously in Jurassic Park. Another great. Oh. Which, Jurassic Park came out in 1993. I did not realize there was that much. The big of a gap. Distance between them two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, so the tagline, which I kind of like, is a haunted ship, a missing crew, an infinite evil. <laughs> evil. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, they, I like that one. It there's one other like... one. Yeah. It's, hmm. I kind of like this one a little better. Uh, infinite space, infinite terror. I mean. It's kind of nice, you know. Like, nice but then I don't it. know that the, it's a haunted ship. Do you want the ghosts in there? Yeah, always. Ghost movies are my favorite movies. Ghost stories. <laughs> Ghost Anyways, okay, so the budget, I wrote this down because, Jack, as you know, I have a problem (laughs) saying big numbers. I don't know why. I feel bad for the studio because the estimated budget for this movie was $60 million. That's a lot of money. And uh, she didn't make her money back. Opening weekend, U.S. and Canada, she made $9,511,915. Oof. Yeah, and the gross worldwide was... $26,673,829. $26,673,829. So. Double oof. That's less than half. Yeah. I'm sorry, Sid. She, uh, I know. <laughs> she, she, it, it suffers from the Tucker and Dale mm. syndrome, you know, where it just. 
doesn't quite make it back to its uh its budget. Well, they were also saying something about like in the thing I saw about Titanic and how this got rushed and all that. I think the studio was expecting like a summer blockbuster since it came out in August and this is definitely like I love it, but it's a weird little indie horror movie and it's not really a summer blockbuster, so Did you see this in the theaters? In 97? No. I would not have been okay, old enough just, to see it in theaters. I'm just curious. Unless my parents were like really not paying attention. <laughs> where i saw this for the first time actually that's a good question or even how i heard of this because it's weird it's a weird one but it's got a lot of big names in it yes so anyways yes indeed okay so the synopsis they have is pretty short it just says a rescue crew is tasked with investigating the mysterious reappearance of a spaceship that has been lost for seven years which really doesn't tell you anything about it. Someone actually wrote in with a better one that I might read okay. because I do feel like this movie gets a little confusing. Losman, L-O-S-M-A-N, at expressnews.net wrote, In the year 2047, a group of astronauts are sent to investigate and salvage the long-lost starship Event Horizon. The ship disappeared mysteriously seven years before on its maiden voyage, and with its return comes even more mystery as the crew of the Lewis and Clark discover the real truth behind its disappearance and something even more terrifying. Spooky. I think that's, it's spooky. I like a space horror movie. Yeah, so what is your experience with space movies? Because there's a lot of, like, technical jargon in this, which I kind of, I've watched Star Trek Next Generation, and I kind of like that stuff. Mm. Kind of world-building terms, yeah. So what were some of the, did you like the techno language they had in this or? No, I feel like I usually get lost in that kind of stuff. I like Star Trek because I watched it with my dad as a kid. So I, it was like a good, I don't know, nostalgia factor, but I feel Mm -hmm. like Star Wars is probably more my jam because it's easier to access. There's less technical stuff. It's more character focused. So even sci-fi books or fantasy books, like it needs to be like low sci-fi, low fantasy so I can get into the characters and that kind of thing. I get lost in the technical stuff, but you like that? Yeah, I mean, as long as it's onboarded in a kind of, uh, in an efficient way, or like the author's not trying to just throw out terms to confuse the reader, which I feel like there's definitely some like hard science fiction books that do that. For sure. But yeah, I I generally, I I do like that because it helps. It's terms that you obviously don't know as a, just normal, normal human. What the, what am I trying to say? I don't. Yeah, know. normal human. A person that is not in the, not in like the the future where stuff is advanced. Yeah, uh, supposedly. Right, right. But I, I like that. Yeah. You do. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get lost in it. I get confused. So I'm glad because I always think like, who is this for? Like, this is why are they telling us this? And then I hear from other people who are like, no, it really helps me. So I'm I'm glad to know like it works for some people. Probably a lot of people. I, I just like when they. Yeah, I like when they try to justify something that seems improbable. Uh, it can be corny. I mean, some of the Star Trek stuff is very corny. So, And this movie had some weird yeah. stuff. We'll get into some of this. Yeah, maybe. like I think I was saying to you, peek behind the curtains, off mic. It takes a little while for this movie to get going. Like, I feel like once you really meet the mm-hmm. crew, you kind of pick it up a little more. But at first, you're like, what is happening? So- yeah, it's just a lot of shots of like ships going by and you're like what is all this stuff and you yeah kind of meet these random characters that don't really but like you said when you meet the actual crew of the lewis and clark ship that's when it starts really get getting going yes we okay jack uh before we get into it we need to talk about vic actually uh, i signed a liability waiver i can't talk about him okay i'm kidding (sighs) vic i mean what what is there to say about vic um he was here, and then he, now he's not. I mean, that's basically. Jack! I'm sorry. Okay, so 
I, we we had a pretty stressful time recording last time, and mm-hmm. he wanted to go out in the field, and mm-hmm. in the field, quote unquote, and like be a you know kind of do his sound engineering out in the environment, and he ended He's up very getting dedicated. very dedicated. Yes, uh, method method sound engineer. <laughs> But he was, he was, what we heard was trampled by sheep and goats. Mm-hmm. And then his body disappeared. It was very sad. And the usual, a very weird way to die. Very sad. Yeah. Yeah. I felt, I don't know. All the sheep died though. So they, they got, it was payback. Let me tell you. <laughs> Not me. I didn't kill the sheep. They were killed by some mysterious uh, caterpillar thing. <laughs> sorry. It's so hysterical laughter. I'm sorry. I'm just stressed out. Um, yeah. I think you've laughed every time someone has died. I and that is it's a nervous tick I can't help it uh <laughs> but but we are very happy to um introduce Noah so hi Noah uh, so it sounds like Vic was lost just like the event horizon huh yeah he lost very... his way that's, he lost his way. that's sad and mysterious some say he traveled to a different dimension when he got sucked uh-huh. under the ground but we <laughs> won't we won't know oh my god <laughs> so sad Shit, are you casted <laughs> I know it's it's sad because we have no closure. We have no body, so we don't really know for sure. Yeah, we have no body count. Oh, we have a body count. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I mean. Oh, sorry, we do no, have no, a no. body count. Oh God. It's just insensitive just... that they're charging, you know, five dollars to take a picture next to all the mutilated sheep. Though, I mean, that's just poor form. It, poor form. Why didn't yeah. they clean that up? It's sad, just... but also it's a desolate town, so they got to make money. But it's still very sad. It is on the map now. It's like a tourist trap. A trap indeed. Um, all right, let's get into the movie. <laughs> okay. see the horizon okay we start <laughs> off with a black hole which is going on oh, in the background yeah sorry shut up <laughs> jack jesus we're not gonna get through this episode I so know. <laughs> it starts off with a blue background which is a black hole and it's popping up the names of our actors of our director uh the title of the movie with like heavy techno music going on in the background it's very 90s it's glorious no offense to Mr. Trent Reznor, but it kind of gave me like some Nine Inch Nails vibes a little bit. I, so I was, I when the music scrolled through, I was Nine like, Inch Nails. No, 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 nothing. I just when it came through oh. and I didn't see that he did it. I don't want him. to oh. yeah, like I'm making that comparison to Nine Inch Nails movie. That's you don't want music. Trent Reznor to hear this and be like, "What the fuck, Jack?" I've heard he is very retaliatory. So oh no, yes, Trent Reznor. We mean nothing but respect. <laughs> Anywho, then we start off with. Words on the screen. A classic. Yes, I wrote all this down. Me too. (laughs) So good. So we start off with 2015. First permanent colony established on the moon. That's shot to shit. (laughs) That didn't happen. Little off. Who wrote this? We need to give him some shit. Someone who was very idealistic. Wasn't it Philip Eisner? Didn't I just say that? Philip Eisner. Yeah. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. Yeah, Jack. What the fuck? Yeah, Mr. Eisner, I'm sorry. You're a little off there. Oh, he's so optimistic. It's about a year away. Yeah, a year away. Okay. (laughs) And then we go to 2032. uh, Commercial mining begins on Mars. Neat. 
And then by 20... That's very human. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. 2040, we have Deep Space Research Vessel Event Horizon launches to explore the boundaries of the solar system. Yep. She disappears yep. without a trace behind the eighth planet of Neptune, which is worded weird. It makes it sound like Neptune has eight planets, but it's Neptune is the our eighth planet of Neptune. Eighth yeah. planet <laughs> in our solar system. Anyways, I'm cool. And it was the worst space disaster on record. And then we go to 2047 now. Yeah, present day, 2047 present day so we zoom in on the event horizon ship which is just kind of hanging out in space we go inside where we see that the gravity is turned off so we just got random shit kind of floating around we don't see anybody it's very eerie it's very dark Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then we see a body that is floating around with blood on its face and we zoom in and wake up to sam neil who wakes up from a nightmare jump scare number one jump scare number one there's a lot of these in this movie there were, which I usually hate. It's probably just because I've seen this movie so many times. But it's more jump scares with sound that mm-hmm. this movie does, and that that like annoys me more than anything. Because it's like when you're like watching a TV show, if anyone knows what those are still, and commercials come on, and the commercials are like a thousand times louder than the show you're mm-hmm. just watching. That's what these jump scares were like for me. It was <laughs> Holy very fuck. jarring. Yes, absolutely jarring. Yes. So Sam Neill, who plays Doctor Weir, is our first person we meet. His alarm goes up. He wakes up. Weird. <laughs> Weird. Weird. And in his bed, there are tons of pictures of a beautiful woman who we assume is his wife who's either gone or dead. We don't know at this time. Yeah, he, he wakes up and says how he, how much he misses her. Yeah. And then we zoom out and we see he's on a space station, which we find out is the daylight station, low Earth orbit. Yeah. I think it was that. Some of these are confusing. I just put giant-ass space station. Yeah. Giant-ass space station, which, by the way, (laughs) it has a moment where it, like, rotates, and it looks like it's rotating near the Earth, and that scene cost them one-third of their budget. Like- What? Crazy. Yeah, that one shot cost them one-third of their budget. One-third of 60 million bucks. you can spin it this way, is that the movie made enough money to basically shoot that scene. (laughs) (laughs) Aww. my heart <laughs> well with a little bit I extra. Mean, I mean but yeah you're right man that's crazy i know so then we go over to the lewis and clark search and rescue ship and this is where we start to meet more of our crew so we do a little less space hopping which is nice uh, we zoom in to our pilot smith who is played by sean pertwee <laughs> I wrote i'm sorry guys. sean sean pertwee Pert- is a interesting name pertwee so we hop to Smith, who is our pilot, played by Sean Pertwee. And to his left, our right, is his crewmate, Justin, who is played by Jack Noseworthy. The names on these, like, amazing. Uh, of just the people. Yeah. yeah. They also call Justin Baby Bear a lot. Yeah. I, I'm i sorry. <laughs> I don't like this this guy. He is... He's he's definitely like a lot younger than the crew, so you can tell they all feel kind of maternal and paternal to him. But he, he's... He's sweet. He's kind of a dope, but he's sweet. He's kind of a dope, and I'm, I'm sorry, but like even the, the acting's a little like. Oh. I'm sorry. I don't Aww. like into critiquing that, but like, I'm sorry, Jack. I hope this was your first movie. Uh, <laughs> so then, um, to Smith's right, our left is Lieutenant Stark, who is played by Jolie Richardson. Yes. And then well, the crew is kind of complaining that they have to fly all the way out to Neptune. They're like, can't we go to Mars? Mars at least has women, blah, blah, blah. And a chair turns around and we meet Captain Miller, who is played by 
Lawrence Fishburne. I like Lawrence Fishburne. Like when he's in a movie, I'm like, okay. I do too. I am ready for this movie, whatever it is. He like brings an extra gravitas to it, but he also like has some really good one-liners. Yeah. He has a very like commanding deep voice and he's always like a leader and like it very, it very much suits his, his delivery. Right. Like if he was just playing a lackey in this instead of the captain, it would feel weird. Right. So the crew is getting ready to launch to Neptune. Like we said, Um, we meet Cooper, who is played by Richard T. Jones. Then Dr. Neil, Dr. Neil, Dr. Weir, um, who is played by Sam Neil, pops back up. Weir. (laughs) Weir. And you realize that the crew um, is preparing to go into essentially like deep sleep. They keep calling it the grav chamber. Mm -hmm. They have to put themselves into like a state of hibernation yeah like cryosleep or stasis yeah stasis thank you so that they can make it to neptune because i think it takes like what 72 days something something like that uh, i i do want to point out something so the introductions we meet captain miller mm-hmm. and in what should be a like heroic chair turn mm-hmm. let's describe this his chair <laughs> is like a a chair hanging from the ceiling and so yes. it's very like <laughs> janky looking and it's like almost like it looks like it's going to fall apart if he sits on it too, too much longer. It looks like a gamer chair, like hanging from the ceiling, like a, a video yeah. game chair. Yeah, it's attached to the ceiling. So he's like kind of weirdly <laughs> moving it. And it reminded me so much. Please tell me you've seen this movie of mm-hmm. where Dr. Evil is in his chair and it's malfunctioning and like moving on its own, like has a mind of its own. Wait, Dr. Evil from Austin Powers? Yeah, yes. <laughs> Isn't that... Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, I just immediately I oh, no. can't get that out of my head. And now it's like anytime he's in that chair trying to be the badass captain, I'm like, this is so funny. No. Like, he's just like barely able to con- control himself in that chair. We need to stop reviewing movies that I love because I'm not <laughs> going to be able to watch them the same. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So, yes, we meet crew. They're preparing to get in there. Um, we meet Peters, who is, pl- we meet everyone very quickly, but you kind of get to know them mm-hmm. a little longer. So Peters is played by Kathleen Quinlan, and she is our med tech. And we meet DJ, who is played by Jason Isaacs, who again was Lucius Malfoy. Harry Potter phase. It's fine. He's also kind of a medical technician. Like, he helps Peters out a lot in the med bay later in the movie. So I'm assuming he's another doctor. Peters is trying to prepare Dr. Weir for, like, okay, this is what it's kind of going to be like when you go into deep sleep. And DJ walks up and just, like, offers Dr. Weir a puff on his cigarette. <laughs> Dr. Weir says no. And then DJ's like, okay. And then jabs him in the neck with a shot. Yeah, you could you get the idea DJ is very uh, callous or jaded. Yeah. Because the way he's treating Dr. Weir, it's just like, whatever. Like, I'm going to stick you in the neck. You, you're doing good, good boy. Like, you know, you're a good man. Like, and he like, slaps him on right. the back and he's like, puts him in there. Yes. He also asks if he's claustrophobic because they like get put in, he gets put into that tube. Yeah, they're put in. And like, Dr. Weir's like, I am. He's like, great, I don't care. Yeah, I am myself. So like him being put in that tube, it was just like, oh boy, this is, I don't like Yeah, that. because those tubes are like, you're essentially, sta- like you're floating in water, but you're essentially standing room only. Like it's not big at all. So yeah, I could see if you were yeah. claustrophobic, that would be very scary. Mm-hmm. So the Lewis and Clark is 56 days out until they hit Neptune and Dr. Weir wakes up in his stasis chamber. Everybody else is still asleep, but he wakes up and he hears a woman's voice and he gets out of his chamber because he's awake. So he walks to the flight deck and he sees a woman in the chair. It's not Captain Miller's cool hanging chair. It's a, it's Smith's pilot chair. And he sees a woman facing out, so we can't see her. So he does that slow dream walk where he's walking up and she's still 
calling to him essentially and he turns the chair around and sees Claire his wife mm-hmm. and then she opens her eyes or where her eyes would be and there's nothing there and then he starts screaming yes and she says she's waiting for him I'm waiting whatever that means Ugh. <laughs> also before this uh, this is another thing <laughs> yes. with the freaking jump scare stuff he yeah. is going he's in the cabin and all of a sudden like one of the like bunks just opens up and it's like so fucking loud yeah and even even he's just like jesus like <laughs> it scares the shit out of him i like to think yes. it scared sam neil too not just the character it it looks like it did yeah like one of those things where like the director doesn't tell the actor it's gonna happen and just kind of unleash it on them sam neil's just like oh shit what the fuck <laughs> So he starts screaming and then he wakes up uh, and he's screaming and DJ and Peters are there and they're like, it's okay. Like a lot of people get hallucinations when they're in the grav chamber. Like we're here. It's okay. You're okay. And then Cooper is giggling at him because Cooper's kind of a dick. You get the sense that no one really likes Dr. Weir. We find out why pretty quickly. Pretty here, quick. Yes. But I love like Cooper's great because he's like, he has like a towel on. He, he's like, he's, <laughs> he's like refreshed at, after getting out of stasis. Like it's pretty hilarious. Right. Like, everyone of coffee else is in his hand. stressed. Yeah. And Cooper's just like, Hey, you want a cup of coffee? <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's getting dressed. They're getting ready to board the event horizon, but they're a couple hours out. So while they're out, Captain Miller gathers his crew and is like, Okay, this is Dr. Weir. Why don't you, Dr. Weir, explain why we're here? And Dr. Weir starts being like, hey, I really appreciate this opportunity, blah, blah, blah. And Captain Miller's essentially like, look, man, fuck you. We just had a really long mission. We were going to get rest and go back to Earth and see our families. And your little whatever this is just pulled us off of that and took us all the way out to Neptune. So skip the pleasantries. Yes, understandably. This this. Makes it clear why everyone is so terse with him and, and not. Yeah. They, they don't they don't seem to like him. They don't give him the time of the day, time of day. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. Like, that, I would be pretty upset as my, myself. I would be mad. Yeah. Yeah. And then we flash over to Peters, who is watching a video of her son. And we kind of see Captain Miller is, he may not like Dr. Weir, but he's got a soft spot for his crew. Because he leans over to Peters and he's like, hey, I... I'm sorry, I really tried to get you off of this mission. There wasn't enough time because she yeah. clearly wants to be home with her kid. But And because that tugs on your little heartstrings, you know she's a goner from the beginning. Well, her kid's name is Denny. Like, the fucking restaurant. Like, come on. She was never going to survive. Oh, that's why? <laughs> well, maybe that's where they got engaged. At Denny's? <laughs> I hope not. Well, uh, never mind. I'm sorry. That was shit. I'm sorry to anyone who got engaged at Denny's. I'm sure it was magical. Grand Slam. <laughs> I was going to say moons over my hammy. So, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Weir essentially tells them, hey, you guys remember that ship that went missing seven years ago? Greatest disaster in space history. Well, anyways, we received a transmission from them. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, that that's impossible. That ship is gone. Impossible. Yeah. And uh, he's like, no, no, no. We intercepted a transmission from them. So we're going to go check it out. He does admit that the ship... They, like, lied about the ship blowing up. Yeah, you're right. He, he says it actually never blew up, that they just lost contact with it, and it disappeared. So he wasn't sure what was going on. And then I think the whole – the crew and everyone that wasn't in this, like, top secret designation like Dr. Weir was just thought it was it blew up because that's what was in the that's news what they or whatever. Told yeah, that's – yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's a good point. And then I kind of get a little lost here. Jack, if you want to help me out, he's talking about, like <laughs> – Oh, okay. Well yeah. – 
he takes down, well, this is kind of funny. He takes down like a pinup lady poster from Smith's cabin. And he's like, here, let me explain to you how we're going to jump through space and time. Well, because they're all like, you know, you, you need, to be, need to explain what's going on here a little bit more. And he's like, okay, well, in layman's terms. And then he goes into all these like And it's confusing as shit. <laughs> yeah. But basically what he does is he, like, like you said, he grabs that poster and yeah. he pokes a hole in both ends of it. And says, you know, you want to travel, If you, the fastest way to travel, theoretically, would be a straight line, like Justin says. But uh, Dr. Weir's like, no, actually not. No. And then he, like, folds the paper so that the holes that he poked in both ends line up. And he says that basically yeah. the ship is able to pass through a point where his machine, like, lines up time. Or, like, it, like, opens up a uh, rift in time space so it can go through. Nothing like that. That's as good as I got out of it. He, like, made a machine that he keeps calling the gate and the core, and it can essentially open up a little rip in space so you can hyper jump or whatever. Put a ship through it. Kind yep. of a little bit like Star Wars. So he's essentially, like, black hole jumping. He can hop through black holes to get to the next wherever you want to go. Like, if, if it would take you a thousand years to get there, he can open a rip in space and time and, like, get you there in an hour or something. Yeah, which sounds great, actually. <laughs> Well, I'd love to rip a hole and then go straight to Uranus. <laughs> I'm sorry, Uranus. Um, so Dr. Weir essentially is like, hey, let me play you the last, the transmission that I have that we received. And it's fucking horrifying, by the way. He's like standing around looking pleased and the crew is just horrified as they're listening to this transmission because he hits play and it's just people screaming. It is men and women screaming in abject terror as something is very clearly like ripping them apart or doing something horrible to them and then he rewinds it like three times like did yeah. you hear that did you hear that it's like they're all like no stop no stop playing that and then dj who is played by jason isaacs is like wait stop that's latin like somebody says something in latin it's a human voice go back mm -hmm. i can translate that and so they rewind it like five times and then dj translates it to liberate meh i wrote down how to say it <laughs> liberate meh and it means eh? save me. So the crew is on edge. Like the only transmission we have from this ship that we thought was gone that disappeared for seven years is people screaming. And then someone in Latin is saying, save me. Like, I don't want to go on this ship. No, stay home. Stay home. Stay home. But they're preparing as they get ready to dock the ship. And it is a really rocky land. Like they can't see it for a while. It's kind of obscured. Yeah. They're like flying through a Neptunian thunderstorm or something like that. Cause something like that. They, yeah. They can't see it. There's a clouds in front of them. They can't see. And they're like, it's a pretty tense moment where they're, they're doing all their space jargon. Like we talked at the top about at the top. And mm -hmm. they're basically descending into the atmosphere and then trying to lock onto this, to the event horizons, like, I don't know, communication relay or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, they're trying to make contact with the event horizon, which yes. I appreciate space protocol. I'm sure that's what you're supposed to do. But, like, it's been gone for seven years. I don't think anyone's going to answer you. Especially after the screaming transmissions. I don't I don't know. Right. Probably they're not. probably pretty dead. But um, anyway, so they break through the thunderstorm. An event horizon is a huge ship, and it just kind of pops up around them. Yeah, that part was cool like the, yeah. the the size of this thing because like they're the ship they're flying in it approaches it and it's like a little tiny dot compared to how big this thing is and right. they only like find the front part which is just like a third mm -hmm. of this thing and then there's like this long like section in between and then it goes to the rear part which is huge or maybe that's the front part i don't know it's huge yeah 
The whole thing is huge. So they find the docking port. Hey, hey. I don't know if we mentioned their ship is called the Lewis and Clark. So the Lewis and Clark search and Mm -hmm. rescue ship, the crew, is going to the event horizon. So Lieutenant Stark gets a status bioscan of the ship, but it's kind of unclear. She he's captain miller's like what's the status and she's like i don't know i'm getting bio readings but it's all throughout the ship it's confusing and he's like okay fuck it we're gonna go on board we're just gonna explore she mentions that the reactor is still running so like it still has power yeah but it has no gravity and it's very cold so she basically is saying like there's no way they could survive that unless they were in stasis Right. Everyone's dead unless they're in stasis. Thank you. Right. So Captain Miller decides that Captain Miller, Justin and Peters are going to go on the ship. So Lieutenant Stark, Smith, Cooper and Dr. Weir are going to stay on Lewis and Clark, um, which Dr. Weir is not happy about. He really wants to get on the event horizon. He wants to explore. His behavior is already a little. It's unhinged from the jump. Like, no wonder nobody trusts him. Weir is giving me some vibes already. This is what, like 15, 20 minutes in or something like that? And I'm already like, uh. Right? Like, you just made these people not get to go home. Like, they're already pissed at you, and you are throwing a tantrum because you don't get to walk on the ship. And Captain Miller's like, bro, you can come on the ship. We just have to scan it first. We're going to make sure it's okay, and then you can come on. And Weir Mm -hmm. throws a fucking tantrum. Yeah. So when Captain Miller, Peters, and Justin suit up in those spaceship suits, space suits, (laughs) those apparently, like, weighed 65 pounds and the actors had to keep taking breaks because of how heavy those suits were because you can't sit down in them they looked heavy so they okay that's good to know because they i thought they were just doing a good job acting like they were heavy but like they look like they're very sluggish yeah um i also like the design of them they're very cool they're cool yeah the costumes in this movie are really good they said they designed like their normal outfits after like modern day flight suits so they did a good job minus the video Mm -hmm. gaming chair that jack pointed out (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. So Captain Miller, once they get on the ship, on the event horizon, he notices everything's in deep freeze. So there's no gravity, but like everything's kind of frozen. Yes. So there's a bunch of items floating around. And this is where this movie starts showing its age because the CGI mm. for all those items floating <laughs> around are is a little rough. Like it's pretty apparent that that stuff is not not actually flying through the air. She's she's an old girl. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah. They split Mm -hmm. up. So Captain Miller, Peters, and Justin kind of split up to start exploring the event horizon. And I did think this was funny. Well, because it's a horror movie. Why would you split up? No, you don't split up. Well, we know that because we've watched Scream and Randy has his rules. Although I don't know if Randy says don't split up. Anyway. Should be one. It should be one. Captain Miller is, he's somewhere and he's just kind of hanging out. And he's like, yeah, I don't see anybody. And then a hand flies past him. It's a great line. He, okay. Yeah. yeah. So he he is in the med bay (laughs) and he basically, so, okay. Before they're walking into the, they're on like the, the huge walkway part. That's like really long, the middle part Mm -hmm. of the ship. And they notice like bombs that are beeping and they're kind of like nonchalantly like, oh, what's those? That's weird. I would be a little more concerned about beeping bombs. Right. This ship who's been gone for seven years has active explosives lining the walkway, which, by the way, they apparently designed that walkway after the Millennium Falcon from Star Wars. Oh, okay. Which you can kind of see just in that main long corridor. Yeah. You could kind of see. Anyways. um, So, yes. Okay. Thank you. Captain Miller is in the med bay. And he's like, yeah, I don't see anybody. It's weird. And then a hand flows by and he goes, oh, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, is... I knew I liked Captain Miller. <laughs> he's in like ultimate badass mode because he's like yeah. 
There's no one in the medical bay. It's, it's it, what does he says? It's a, it's like a tomb in here. And then the glove touches him, and he's like, <laughs> and he like freaks out. Like, <laughs> it's so good. It's good. Yeah. So Peter makes it up to the bridge and the flight deck, the bridge, whatever. And she sees, she just sees like a little blood, but then like lightning flashes or something. And we see there is just like blood and viscera like coating the it's, walls. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Bad sign. Yes. Bad sign. And then she turns around and she like, bangs into a floating body the body that we saw at the beginning of the movie the floating body with like cuts all over its face and no eyes she has like an understated reaction she's just like huh. it, every like yes a lot of their reactions are very understated they're they should be way more freaked out about what's going on on this ship but no not not too much which is why i like captain miller who goes oh fuck <laughs> he had a he had an apt reaction to a glove yes. hitting uh, touching him and, and like during this time, Justin has gone to the engineering side, so the under mm-hmm. the other, other end of the ship there, and he he finds the core. He finds the core. It like opens, like, like this crazy door opens, and then he. This is a pretty cool shot. It's just a mm-hmm. walkway that has like a huge spinning like wheel, metal wheel around it, and it reminded yeah. me of. I, I know you won't get this reference because you oh, don't good. go to them, but haunted house in oh. in a certain place where we are at. It used to have a walkway where it had like tiled oh. walls, and it would spin, and it was very disorienting. And it reminded me of this this section. So it, it's kind of funny that they tr- use like a haunted house trope in this. Yeah, that's true. He walks through like yeah, that spinning thing, and then so when he does get to the core, it's this huge metal orb, like Jack said, and it's got like three rings that are spinning around it. Like it's gigantic, <sighs> and yeah. then it like um... it stops. Right, like it stops spinning, and it almost feels like it's looking at him. Like it's it's a there's no eyes, it's not alive, but it feels like it's looking at him because they're just staring at each other. And then the thing opens, like the orb opens, kind of. It's kind of hard to explain. There's also like coolant floating, or what they what he thinks is coolant floating around in the room. So there's just like globules of liquid. Yeah, it's like silver thick liquid. Yeah, it's kind of dumb. He like walks up and touches it. He's an idiot. Why? Okay. Yes, yeah, it. So this this thing. It, by the way, this also looks like something from that an alien would design, not something that humans would design. Yeah, it does not look of this world. No, absolutely not. So That's it's it's otherworldly, and it like you said, it focuses on Justin, and it, like all these lights, it like flashes a light and like mm-hmm. blinds him, and they lose communication with him. The, yeah, the people on the bridge of the Lewis and Clark camera feed goes down. Yeah. And then this fucking smart guy, he sticks his finger into the like, yeah. it basically opens a portal. He sticks his finger into it. And he's like, oh, that was pretty cool. And then shoves his whole arm into it. Yeah. Into like this whole ass random silver goo. And then it pulls him in. It pulls him yeah. into the whole thing. And he's screaming. And it's like, what did you think was going to happen? Justin. Oh my God. This is why you don't split up. This is why you don't send the novice baby bear, whatever the hell is his name is, to the engineering core that no one knows how to use except for that doctor guy. I mean, he is their engineer though. So if it was a normal engineering, I think that's why they sent him there. But yeah, he's he's an idiot. He shouldn't be unsupervised. Well, the first thing, when if you just walked into like a nuclear power plant, and I know you could. Yeah. You just go in and start just touching the rods and shit. You think, it, like, is that what you would do? It'd be your first reaction? Right, like just the silver goo buttons? that's just floating around? Probably not. No, I would not. I would not do that. Thank you. 
Thank you. Somehow Justin has like a safety rope tethered to him, which I don't know when that happened. I think they all have that, if I'm not oh. mistaken. Because there's like a pulley that goes up into the Lucent Park. Okay. And it shows when he gets pulled into the portal that the thing like damages the Lewis and Clark. I see. I just don't pay attention because I'm the worst. Okay. Got it. So Cooper is monitoring the cords and he's like, oh shit, baby bear's in trouble. I'm coming, baby bear. Yeah. This is really weird. I don't know. He must be the youngest one because they're all treating him like a little kid. It's kind of weird. Yeah, for sure. So Cooper is running from the Lewis and Clark, he's like getting all his shit on so he can go on to the event horizon and save Justin, who is mm -hmm. not in communication and like who is clearly in distress. So when he gets sucked in, the core does like a like reverberates a, like a dimension wave or something. Yes. It doesn't destroy the ship, the event horizon, but it like causes the most sparks I've ever seen to like rain yeah. down. As it like travels through the ship, it does get to Miller, who's in the medical bay, and he he it's like a force field or like a shockwave that like pushes him and throws him against the wall. Right. But it also like goes up into the Lewis and Clark and like damages it. Yeah, it like fries the Lewis and Clark, so they're essentially yeah. stranded there now with this weird ass ghost ship. And like like Defcon whatever is the highest level because like. Everyone on the Lewis and Clark is like freaking out because they're mm -hmm. everything's sparking. Stuff is like stuff is catching on fire, shooting steam. Yeah, there's like a lot it, of fire. Yes, <laughs> it's fast. So like essentially, Captain Miller's like, get the fuck off the Lewis and Clark. Like we got to get onto the Event Horizon. Like this isn't safe. And this is like a weird like. Now that I'm like looking back after watching watching this movie, it's a weird thing where Smith is like, oh, we can't save it. We're a goner. And then Doctor Weir is just like, let's just go on the Event Horizon. Yeah, like kind of like. <laughs> Like, he's getting his way without really... Very creepily. But he's right, but it's also he's being a creep about me. He's right, yes. Smith's like, I'm not getting on that fucking ship. But, you know, Miller's like, uh, yes, that's the logical thing to do. So he orders his crew to get on the event horizon. Yes. Miller is a very good captain. He's really good under pressure. Like, he doesn't panic. He's just like, okay, this is what we need to do. Like, move quickly. I don't need you guys, like, dying. Yeah. So they get off the Lewis and Clark. Everyone's on the event horizon. And then Peter turns on the gravity. And this was probably one of the coolest scenes because that frozen body that was floating in the air falls oh, yeah. down and just like shatters on the ground. And it was that was so cool. That was cool. So Cooper rescues Justin. He pulls him out of the whatever the fuck. And Justin is essentially catatonic. Like he's not mm -hmm. responsive at all. Yeah. He's like he's like Paul from Hell House LLC. <laughs> He's just, like, non-responsive. Yes. He's alive and he's awake, but he's, like, not responsive at all. So Captain Miller asks for, essentially, a status report. Dr. Weir says, okay, I've turned on most of the primary systems in the event horizon, so we're at least up, running for now. Lieutenant Stark says, hey, we got about 20 hours worth of oxygen, and then we got to get the fuck off this ship because yep. that shockwave fried, like, our radio. Like, we can't ask for help, so we have to solve this ourselves and get the fuck out of here before we run out of air. And so Smith is outside on the Lewis and Clark, just kind of, like, trying to do an assessment of the damage that happened. Mm -hmm. And Captain Miller's like, how long is it going to take? He's like, I need a while. And Captain Miller's like, fuck you. You got 20 hours. Figure it out. <laughs> and then a lot kind of happens very quickly. Cooper tells Dr. Weir and the captain that the gate was open. And Dr. Weir is essentially like, hey, man, that's not possible. And they get in like this weird tussle. This is where Dr. You're really starting to understand. Like, Dr. Weir is maybe an intelligent guy, maybe a scientist. But he is never willing to entertain someone else's what they've seen mm -mm. at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and he's explaining like how light speed is going to work and all this stuff, and so they just yeah. have to believe him on his word. But he won't believe anything 
they bring up, which, like you said, Cooper's yeah. saying, no, it, the portal was open, trust me, because I saw him floating out I of it. I was there. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And Dr. Weir is like, oh, you probably just imagined it. And... Yeah, he tries to do some, like, science explanation of why he thinks yeah. that Cooper saw that, but it wasn't real. Like, Cooper wants to beat Dr. Weir's ass, but Captain Miller's like, hey, stand down like you are under him. Right. It's essentially kind of military, so he's like, Cooper, get your yeah. shit together. He's like, yes, sir, sorry. Uh, it is <laughs> it is ironic, though, because directly before this incident, mm-hmm. or this, this scene with Cooper... Miller is looking at all the dead bodies and the blood sacks and gore on the bridge, and he's like, uh, "Doctor, you care to explain any of this shit?" And mm-hmm. Doctor Weir's like, "I," he's like in shock and can't even talk about it. So he just experienced what Cooper just went through, and like, yeah, is so quick to like bat him down. I don't know. He's very dismissive. Yes, but he, Captain Miller's like, "What the hell is in that core?" And so Doctor Weir is essentially like, "Well." When the three rings line up, it essentially creates a black hole. And that's how we're able to jump through space and time. And Captain Miller's like, that's not safe. Let's shut that shit down. Nobody goes in that room. Uh, and Dr. Weir is very unhappy about that. Yes. Like, it's the most logical thing to do. Like, yeah, he's right. The whole reason we're here is to investigate a crew that disappeared. Mm-hmm. And you, we just didn't lose one of our crew, but almost did. Mm-hmm. And the one, like, different factor between this place and a, another ship is what that that gravitational core thing that dr weird design exactly i don't know it's just so weird that like he he seems so sure of how this thing works mm-hmm. but yet can't answer like a lot of what happens right like he feels like yeah he just he know he made it but he like it's like show your work and he's like i don't i don't know i can't show you my work i have no idea how the exactly. fuck this works i just know it works I just have the product, the end product. Yeah, it's just weird. <laughs> so we go over to the medical bay where Justin is still catatonic and Dr. Peters is, she's scanning through, because when she was initially on the event horizon, she found the log, the last log of the original crew. So she's trying to go through it. Yes, Jack. Which, which? Yeah. Funnily enough, what year is this? 2047? Still using the CD-ROMs. I know, it's a CD. <laughs> still using the CD-ROMs. Yes. I thought that too. <laughs> oh, Mr. Eisner. Mr. Eisner. Okay. Well, <laughs> so, so Peters is scanning through the video. She's trying to get a clue of like what happened. And then she hears a noise. And it sounds like this weird fabric scritching noise. She's not sure what it is. When you're in a situation where you need to do some, like, okay, so you're tasked with two things. You're looking over someone that maybe was just hurt, making sure they're okay. Mm-hmm. Do you turn your back to them and then just you know start looking through uh, video footage? Because that seems like the the most safe thing to do. I would not, especially on a weird fucking ghost ship. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't Thank be you. by myself either. Like Justin's technically there with her, but he's catatonic. I don't know why people are by themselves. They should have been in pairs. I I thank you. Yes. So she picks up this. It looks like a combination of like a, a butcher knife and a scalpel. Like it's this weird. Like a bone saw or something. B- bone saw. Maybe it's a bone a saw. bone saw. She picks up her bone saw and she is starting to walk around the med bay to try to find that noise. And she sees a green tent and someone is inside yeah. the tent just kind of like, like running their nails down it. Yeah. She opens it and she sees Denny, her son, and he's sitting there and he's like, mommy. And then he's got like sores all over her legs and his legs, not her legs. And she's like, ah, shit, what the fuck? And then DJ taps her on the shoulder. She screams, look back, and then the hallucination is gone. 
So they're starting to see shit. Yes. DJ jump scares Peters. Because <laughs> he really like approaches her. He's like, hey, what's he's like freaks her out. Right? He's not like, hey, Peters. He's like, Peters. Scares the shit out of her. <laughs> then we watch. We have the whole crew there and they're watching the last video log of what happened to the original crew. And it it is just like screaming. People are screaming and then it gets scrambled and you can just hear horrible noises happening. So not a ton of confidence in what happened to the original crew. Nothing good. Nope. Nope. So the transmission pretty much matches the video where they're just like, we still don't know what happened. Something bad happened. I want to say right now that this movie reminds me of The Exorcist in that it jumps around so much. It is. My notes are just filled with like next scene, next scene, next scene. Like it's very difficult to. Keep track of where we're at here. It is jumpy, though. And the power goes out like a billion times. Yeah. I, I was thinking that while I was trying to, like, recap this. I'm like, this is a lot. Like, it's less confusing when you're watching it, but it's kind of confusing to talk about. So, yes, like Jack said, there's another power surge. And while the power surge happens, Justin starts seizing. Like, on the table, he's having a seizure. And DJ runs over to him. And he's like, ah, what's wrong? And Justin just has a moment where he's like, I don't go back to the dark yeah he mentions the name drops the dark which we're kind of finding out that that might be part of what's going on here yes so dr weir and captain miller go back to the core and dr weir opens up a section in the wall of the core which is essentially a huge computer that you can crawl through so he starts crawling through this green computer it was so cool it was such a good visual i loved it it was cool um and also i just yeah. put he is in a motherboard maze that's all i can think of like yeah he's just surrounded by computer boards and the glow of the green was so cool oh i love that scene yeah like he's on his hands and knees he doesn't have a lot of room to get through it it almost reminds me of like 2001 space odyssey where <gasps> dave's like kind of skirting around and trying to figure out he's trying to shut down day or the ai Jack, I have a confession. Sid. I have a confession, Jack. Don't don't even no, no, don't even I'm logging Jack, off. Jack, I'm so sorry. I'm logging off. No, Jack, I'm sorry. I've never seen <sighs> it. All I know is that there's something in there where she's like, I can't allow you to do that, Dave. Or something. I don't know. Yeah. The computer is is sentient and it's trying to keep Dave from never mind. This was spoiling this. Well, movie. I'm sure it would have been a lot cooler. God damn it. God <laughs> seen it. it. Anyways. Sorry. So, a clearly amazing homage to 2001 Space Odyssey. I don't know that. I'm just guessing because they, they kind no of idea. do a similar thing. Okay. So, Dr. Weir is in the computer motherboard maze, which I think is a great way to describe that. And he's found the part that's shorting out, but the room starts to go dark. And then, so he pulls out his flashlight and the flashlight starts to go dark. And then he hears a woman calling his name again. Yes. Well, I was going to say, this is terrifying. Like, the yeah. this... He's in a small crawl space and like the power goes mm-hmm. out and his light doesn't work anymore. Like I was like, oh man. And someone's calling his name. Yes. And it's kind of chaotic too because like occasionally the lights will like flash back on and then yeah. he's still like moving around, like scrambling around. Mm-hmm. So when the lights come back on at some point, it's Claire again, his wife. And Claire is played by Holly Chant. So I just wanted to mention. Holly. Holly. Holly Chant. So <laughs> she... She pops back up and she's like, be with me for forever. And then the lights come back on. I'm so sorry, but this was so stupid. Oh, I'm, I'm sick of seeing Claire. I'm so sick of Claire at this Claire. point. 
but Claire is his motivation. Because there's no... Well, okay, but you see him, like, become normal for, like, split seconds, and then you see Claire pulling him back in. It's You're watching him lose his mind a little bit more. What little mind he had left, you're watching him lose it. <laughs> Very little mind, yes. All I'm saying is that when she appears in this scene, it's like, yeah, it's very well lit. It didn't scare you. No, no, it was, it was because, okay, yeah, she doesn't have any eyeballs, whatever. And then she's just like, come be with me. And it's just like, this is so. She doesn't have any eyeballs, whatever. It's the same scene from the beginning of the movie. So it's like. It loses its impact the more they do it. Yes. I, I agree with you. If it would have been like the lights stayed out, it was completely dark. And he just like had like a hand on his leg and it was like pulling it. Like that would be cool. But like. The lights turn turn back on and it's her again and it's like oh, okay I'm sorry I, I was not scared nope, I was enough. not scared actually Jack was not scared I wasn't scared I'm not scared I was scared I was scared I just I just fainted <laughs> we we go back to Captain Miller who is standing in the exterior where the core metal ball is spinning and he sees a man walk up and this man is completely head to toe on fire yes yeah and it is pretty cool. It was a very cool effect. We we have we have the fireman because yes okay so Noah Huntley plays Burning Man. He doesn't get a name. He's just called a Burning Man. Burning Man. We know that this is somebody from Captain Miller's past because the man who's on fire is like you left me. How could you leave me? And yeah, he's being a little bitch. Yeah. Okay. The ghost on fire is being a little bitch. Got it. The guy, the guy that organized <laughs> Burning Man's like, man, you left me at the fucking party. Uh, you didn't come rescue. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's he's pretty hot headed. Oh my god, you just Ooh. got here. Ooh. <laughs> that's, like, that's also the first thing you've said. Noah, come on, yeah, I mean, Noah, what the fuck? <laughs> you just got uh, here. I didn't want to interrupt with any minor details. I'm just saying he's a little hot headed at this point. Uh, okay. I think Noah's referring to uh, the actor is pretty good looking. Yeah. Oh, and he's on fire. And he's on fire. Sorry. This man is on fire. Sue. Uh, Yep, we're going to get sued so fast. Sorry. Uh, Cease and desist, please. Cease your mom. Where are we? Uh, Okie dokie. I'm sorry, Fleamon. Oh, Ah, my God. That was a knee slapper, Noah. That was a knee slapper. (laughs) What is happening? Where are we? We're losing the thread, Sid. Oh, no. Um, hey, you know what? We're going a little insane. We're losing our minds a little bit. Okay. What's your biggest fear, Sid? Let's just get this out uh, here. Why? Because <laughs> that's what you're about to see. That's what you're going to see here in a little bit, because we're so close to the core. We're going to see my biggest fear? Well, you'll you'll hallucinate your biggest fear, and I'll hallucinate Oh, my biggest fear? Yeah, or smallest. It would probably be like my partner dying would be my biggest fear. Oh, okay, that's too real, man. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, par- sorry partner. Well, okay, <laughs> sorry, never partner. mind. Sorry, partner. Um, if you, I mean, if you want to make it something more like uh, silly, like I get... like, are you claustrophobic? Are are you afraid of drowning? Or maybe you're afraid of being uh, Burning Man? I'm afraid of heights. Okay, me too. I am afraid of sharks or big things in the water. I'm afraid of bees. Uh, so you just imagine that you ooh, are and werewolves. I'm afraid of werewolves too. Okay, this is getting complicated. Um, so you're basically on a boat, okay. and there's a bunch of bees on there on board, and they're chasing you around the deck. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, a werewolf is on there. On there, obviously, obviously, there's yeah. a werewolf. Yeah, for sure. Yes, uh, mine is probably being buried alive. That would suck. Like ooh. that Kill Bill sequence. Oh my god, man, that was a good one. 
that was rough. I, I am I, again. I am claustrophobic, so yeah. I just that doesn't. I, I can't do that. Well, it almost seems like their fears are their regrets, right? Like Captain Miller's yeah. fear is that he left behind. Peter's fear is that kid. Her that kid her child and i wanted to say so now you you said one of your biggest fears would be your 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 loved one dying well now our our good dr sam neal here his wife his dead wife that keeps showing up she showed up to him at the beginning of the movie before the ship and everyone else only sees their biggest fears after they've made contact Ooh, true noah so okay. maybe Mr. Doctor has already opened this portal once. And his wife was a casualty. Because we, ne- we never hear no. that his wife was on the Event Horizon. Is that correct? She's not on the Event. Well, we find out later what happens to her. We do? I must have been... uh, yes, I will tell you when we get there. But we're not there yet. Must have been snoozing. We're not there yet. Okay. So, so the crew comes together and they're like, hey, I'm having hallucinations, essentially. Um, and Dr. Weir is a dismissive asshole again. About their hallucinations. Who was having them himself as well. Yeah. So Captain Miller, Dr. Weir, and Peters have all seen something at this point. Yes. Yes. So they're, the crew is stressed out. So Dr. Weir is being a dismissive dickhead. So Smith, who's our pilot, essentially pushes him. And then to calm him down, DJ grabs Smith and holds a scalpel up to his neck. This is pretty nuts. Yeah. It escalated very quickly. Very quickly. But it also is... I was going to say, you kind of get this idea that that's not a normal reaction for, for DJ. Because when they pull DJ off of Smith... He's like, whoa, shit, I'm sorry, I don't know why I did that. He's like, snap, he snaps out of it. Yeah. Yeah, so you get the impression that he was not acting himself. Exactly. Right, right, okay. So Captain Miller is essentially like, Smith, get off the ship, go figure out how you can fix the Lewis and Clark, essentially giving him time to cool off. He tries again, too. He tries to attack him twice, and it's like, dude, holy crap. Dr. Weir is kind of a dickhead, so. He deserves it, but, like, this is the... part where you're kind of thinking like maybe this ship i i was in this line of thinking maybe the ship just makes people go crazy mm-hmm. like a cabin fever type of type of thing so. or they go crazy yeah that's what it kind of felt like at first yeah it's definitely like fucking with them maybe it's making yeah. some people see stuff and other people are just like amped up in their energy aggressive yeah yeah so lieutenant stark tells captain miller that the ship is giving them hallucinations essentially to protect itself like it's like a defense mechanism like the ship is alive and captain miller's like what the fuck are you talking about and she's like that's all i got man that's all i can tell you i don't know he's kind of condescending too because she kind of shows up and she's like hey hey what's up and he's like you better tell me something good And it's like jesus she's just checking in on him checking in on you guys poor lieutenant stark okay so peters goes back to the med bay and she cannot find justin she's like what the fuck where is justin where did he go kind of like pacing back and forth in mm-hmm. the medical bay and as soon as she turns her back on him he's gone the next second or whatever yeah he bolts and then there's a huge explosion that sends peters running but we find out that nobody else heard it so i don't know if it was like a it didn't happen or not because then we do have that knocking on the door Oh, yeah. So I don't know if the explosion was real or not, or if it was just Peter's hearing it. I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter. Well, no, I mean, it's a fair point because it's hard to, now it's hard to tell now that stuff is happening, whether it's in the heads of the people that we are focusing on, or if it's, some of it's real, some of it isn't. Like, certainly mm-hmm. she hallucinated her child being there, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure where to sit on that. I didn't think about that. So she runs 
back to the flight deck and Lieutenant Stark and DJ are there with Dr. Weir and they're all in this room and something is knocking on this very heavy metal door and the crew is freaking out except Dr. Weir who's like, answer it, answer the door. And he starts like walking towards the door like a fucking creep. Yeah. And then like one of the best parts, Stark (laughs) just grabs his arm and twists it and he's like... And he like he like immediately snaps out of his little like uh, yeah. trance there. Yeah, she like pulls his arm behind his back. Yeah, and then they realize someone's in the airlock, and everyone's like, "Who is it?" And then Peters is like, "Oh fuck, it's Justin!" So they all take off for the airlock. And I thought that was a really good way to reveal that because Peters is so rushed to get back with mm-hmm. her squad in the on mm-hmm. the bridge and like she she is like hit the door to close it and then gets through it kind of like when you like go outside when you go out of your garage door you close it from the inside and step over the laser so you can save yeah. time or whatever that's what she did with the door and she just like runs in there and before she could even tell them that justin's missing that's when all the banging happened so it's like a good like way to like it was a good distraction distraction from like oh there's also the thing that justin has disappeared forgot to tell you that mm-hmm. <laughs> surprise yeah. So they run to the airlock to try to get Justin out because he's in there in his pajamas. He doesn't have a spacesuit on. The airlock is essentially there's the outside door and there's the inside door. So he's in between. So if the outside door opens, he's exposed to space without a spacesuit. And that is <laughs> very fatal. <laughs> but he's still catatonic. Like he's not responding because they're like screaming at him. They're like, open the door. Come back inside. What are you doing? And he has kind of a weird monologue and i didn't write it down but he's essentially like i'm not going back there justin is weird well yeah (laughs) but he's essentially like i can't go back to the dark i've seen things so they radio to captain miller who is outside with smith trying to help him fix the ship and he's like i'm coming hold on and justin hits like the hits the door to open the airlock but it's delayed by 30 seconds so 20 seconds before the door opens he like comes back to himself and he's terrified. There's, he's crying. What? Yes. There's like a very loud alarm as soon as he hits mm-hmm. that like open door or whatever. And the alarm seems to kind of snap him out of the trance. True. Yeah. So he's like, why won't you guys let me in? Like open the door. I don't want to die out here. What are you doing? And like the panic is amping up and they can't like once he's activated the door to open outside to space, you can't open the inside door. It's like a safety mechanism. Because they would be obviously hurt if they did that, if they opened up the inner door, too. Yeah. So they patch the feed through from Captain Miller to Justin. And Captain Miller's like, okay, Justin, like, this is happening. We got to deal with it. Like, don't focus on the fact that your eyeballs are exploding. I want you to, like, crunch down into a ball and, like, breathe all the air out of your lungs. Like, and Justin has got his hands up to his eyes and there's just blood flowing out from his. This movie's kind of gruesome. Yes, it is. That's one of the things I don't like about it. I love it. And there's just like blood flowing out and he's screaming and my eyes. You're enjoying this too much. Captain Miller's like, don't think about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What's happening to you, right? Don't even think about it. Like, don't think about it. He also, when he's like, oh, just, you know, exhale. He basically listens to, he's not listening to anything Miller says except for that. Cause he's, he's just screaming the air out of his lungs for the most part. True. But again, this is a good example of Captain Miller being a good leader because Anybody else would fucking panic. And Captain Miller's like, dude, you crouch down into a ball, breathe the air out of your lungs. I'm coming. So the door opens. Captain Miller launches himself off the spaceship and essentially pushes Justin back in to the event horizon because they can open the inner door now. So they push him in and like four medical people are trying to help him. He is bleeding out of every hole. 
when he's in space. Every fucking hole. Every hole. It's not good. It's it's very disturbing. No, yes. But they're able to get him back in. And like you said, they, they have the medics attend to him. Mm-hmm. And somehow... It kind of just then cuts to DJ, who's he's like, not. well, you know, like we saved him. He's not dead. He's not dead, but he's still breathing, but he'll never be the same, that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, fair. It's a pretty traumatic event to go through. It's pretty fucking traumatic, because essentially, weren't they saying, like, it's going to turn you inside out? I don't know what it does, but it doesn't seem like it's a pleasant thing. So, boiling points of various substances change under zero pressure, so... Basically, all your blood in your body would start to boil instantly. It it showed his veins when he was in the airlock, too. And they were bulging. That was all the blood's mm. expanding and boiling inside of the human body. It was so good. The more you know. Thanks, Noah. He's sterile. Ew. Ew. I mean, like, he's ready for surgery, he's sterilized. (laughs) And probably sterile in a different way, too. Okay. Anyways, so DJ stabilizes him. (laughs) And then Lieutenant Stark tells everyone that they have four hours of air left, so the pressure's on. I mean, it's been on, but it's worse. And then we get this great scene that Jack really likes of Captain Miller just keeps shouting at Dr. Weir, like, where did the ship go? What's happening? And Dr. Weir is like, I don't know. And they say this back and forth like five times. This is the best. I said, Miller is understandably pissed at Weir. And he just goes on this rant, like, fuck, he's dropping F-bombs everywhere. I'm just like, fucking awesome. Like, finally, like, (laughs) Miller is like putting him in his place. Because Weir is like on the defensive now. He's like... Oh, yeah. Can't explain any of this stuff. And he's like, he's Miller's like, you, one of my crew members just tried to kill themselves. And it has to, it coincides with the core thing that you built. It's so, your fault. Yeah. Yes. And then Dr. Weir is like, hey, I just need more time. And Captain Miller's like, I don't give a fuck. You have four hours. Figure it out. And he like seemingly vanishes into thin air. Weir does. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. And now Miller's alone. Mm-hmm. And he starts and he hearing, has... yes. Yeah. His auditory, he has an auditory hallucination. hallucination. Thank you. Jack? Uh, Yes, so he has an auditory hallucination of someone screaming for his help. Like, help me, help me, don't leave me, help me. And then we cut over to him talking to DJ, and he's essentially like, yeah, a while ago, like, this horrible situation happened, and I had a soldier who was essentially on fire that I had to leave behind to save the rest of my crew. He also says a pretty cool thing where he's like, have you ever seen fire in space? And DJ's like, no, he's like, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And it was really kind of a creepy, <laughs> but it was kind of this thing where like Miller couldn't do anything to help him, but he stopped to appreciate, like not appreciate, but like, wow. It was like an awe-inspiring moment with the fire in, in space. It's almost so horrific and grotesque that it's beautiful in a weird way. Yeah, that's what it felt like. And then DJ's like, I've known you for a long time. Like, you've never told me that story. And Captain Miller's like, that's just it. Like, I've never told anybody that story so this ship knows this like how is the ship getting in my head knowing these things like this is fucked up we got to get out of here also when he's hearing the voices he Mm -hmm. he's the most sane person because he's like it's all in your head it's all in your head and then he leans his head against the ship and then he gets flashes of the like of Mm -hmm. basically what justin has been talking about the dark or whatever you want to call it yeah it's like flashes of people being tortured and ripped apart terrible (laughs) remind me sid this is your favorite movie or one of your favorite movies this is my favorite space horror movie i don't know it's it's very gruesome it's it's i don't usually like gruesome but it's terrible it's terrible in that in that way 
I think, yeah, it reminds me of uh, Hellraiser a little bit. Just all the gruesome, oh, gory details, which I don't think you've seen it yet, Jack. We'll have to fix that. No. <laughs> okay, we'll watch that later. We'll give you oh. some time to recover. All right. So DJ tells Captain Miller, like, okay, well, hey, I think I made a mistake in the translation um, <laughs> yeah. that we heard on that tape. It doesn't say, save me. It says, save yourself from hell. That's a big difference. A little bit different than what you first thought there, <laughs> buddy. Mm-hmm. So then Captain Miller's like, what are you saying? The ship went to hell? And DJ's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> and they're they're kind of at this, at this stage where they're just kind of like, well, we have no other answer. I guess that's what happened. Right? Like, anything's possible. Yeah, man. I don't know. Maybe it did go to hell. <laughs> But then Cooper radios in and he's like, hey, I'm almost done fixing the ship. I just need like 20 more minutes and then we can fuck out of here. Yes. Yeah. So it's now focused on Peters and Stark, who are like at the control computers of the Event Horizon. And Peters gets mm -hmm. the last, I don't know, video log to play. And it's the one that was all scrambled because she said she was going to like oh, unscramble yes. it or run it through filters. And so they get to see what what happened to the crew. And it's pretty fucking gruesome it's, like it it's bad there's i mean it's it's 90s maybe that's why it doesn't bother me as much because it's 90s effects so it's bloody but it's like 90s bloody are you saying it was the 90s it was the 90s. 90s yeah like it's gruesome but it's not as horrific as it would be if they made it in 2023 like the effects would be a lot worse well okay worse hold, than on. The horrifying thing. hold on sid i think you're a little what? desensitized to this because there's like a guy like that's probably true <laughs> Yes, I think it is. There's a guy like clawing into another one's stomach and he likes pulling out organs and stuff. That was pretty disgusting. That's pretty disgusting. It's pretty gross. There's a, there's like weird alien shit. There's weird torture stuff. Like there it mm. the captain yes. of the previous of of the actual event horizon is like pulling out the eyeballs of a different guy. And so he holds them in his hand and he's like <laughs> You know, Jack. <sighs> Hearing you say it back, I am yeah. realizing that perhaps I've just seen this enough times that I'm like, it's fine. It's not gross at all. It's it's a little gross. You're right. <laughs> Horror movies. Normalizing violence for everyone. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I just, I love the beat. They watch all of this gruesomeness of like the old crew eating each other. One guy taking his own eyes out. And then once the video ends, immediately Captain Miller goes, we're leaving. Yeah, <laughs> that's we it. Gotta that, go. We're leaving. <laughs> that is the that's best it. line. That that was We're my out. favorite line because he he's he's looking at it or they they show him this eventually and he's like, like you said, Noah, we're leaving. And it, it's the best line. It reminds me of the ring, where the guy that is like the archivist dude, the guy goes to the asylum oh. and tries to get the videotape. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, okay, it should be right here. Opens it up. Okay, now I'm mad because it's missing. Yeah. Now I'm mad. <laughs> yes. Kind of reminds me of that a little bit. That's yes. We're leaving. And we Weir doesn't like that. Uh, no, no. Weir does not want to leave. Captain Miller is like, "Fuck you! I don't care." But then, okay, he does something kind of stupid, which we've established the ship is going to defend itself, right? Like we've established this ship is sentient; it can hear you. So while they are still on the event horizon, Captain Miller's like fuck you, we're leaving, and we're going to get a safe distance away, and then I'm going to blow this ship up. And then all hell breaks loose, because the ship heard him say that. Captain Miller. Come on, Miller. Come on. What are we doing? 
Anyways, so the uh, the ship hears that, gets pissed, it starts draining power, and blood starts filling the whole fucking ship. Everywhere, there's blood! Pretty, pretty cool scene. Now, okay, I want to go back to, I'm sorry. Yeah. Is, is it because the ship is tied to Weir, and, like, Miller is about to, like, punch his lights out, so he's being threatened, so the ship, yeah. I don't know, I'm, like, I'm still, like, unclear of, like, how the, because clearly... Weir is is drawn to the ship. Weir's kind of like and and has this ulterior motive. He, yeah, he's kind of like the ship spokesperson almost. Like he is the voice for the ship at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. And so obviously he keeps wanting them to stay, and like he ultimately in the end we realize that he's like really wants them to stay forever. Don't. Uh, but it feels like anytime like either they go close to the mm-hmm. core or they threaten like Weir like something. Like the power goes out or something weird uh, happens. It seems like I don't know. Maybe I'm just no. I hadn't selecting that being selected. I hadn't but... thought of that. That's a yeah. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that. Look at you, Jack. You can just tell me my 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 thoughts are stupid. You can Jack, just say I that. I would never say that to your face. You told you said that before we recorded. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's like, "We're going home," and Doctor Weir's like. I am home. And then he floats off into the background, like into the dark. That was so amazing. I mean, cool. What I've seen of Sam Elliott, he's always the protagonist. To see him be like the antagonist is very. Sam Neill. Oh, what did I say? It's Sam Neill. Sam Neill Sam... is always. Yeah. Sam... Sam Elliott would be. <laughs> Sam Elliott. Well, hey. <laughs> well, hey there. I just. Uh... ウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォーウォー
But also, you know, everybody is having hallucinations. Wouldn't you stop and be like, thank you. Wait a minute. I know this ship is fucking with me. That's not real. But she doesn't do that. She goes immediately to go investigate and is like, Danny. Great point. Sid bumps me out because she's smart. Like, right. She's a doctor. Come on, babe. I don't know. Well, maybe not. Her missing her kids is, is overpowering her. I guess. Her better senses, I guess. Yes. So moms do not do well in this movie, apparently. <laughs> so she is running around following her kid. He's up high. So she sees her child and she's climbing up and she's like, what, four stories up? She's high. Pretty high. High up there. And she sees Denny and, well, the ship's version of Denny. And he's not even saying anything. He's just smiling at her from like under his eyebrows. He's doing the creepy Jack Nicholson smile. And she just keeps walking to him and doesn't look down. And she walks through an empty hole, falls four stories and hits metal grate and just like explodes. Essentially. She hits the catwalk thing right by the core. And just like, like you said, just explodes like her blood. Just like it shatters her whole body. It's grand slams right. Oh my God. Noah. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm getting fired, baby. I'm I'm getting fired just like that burning man. We're getting sued twice. Oh my god, we're getting sued sued. twice, baby. Sorry, Alicia. We're don't listen to us. She won't. She won't. Here's my point about Doctor Weird. (laughs) Does have a few moments of he's still got a little bit of his brain left because he comes in to the core room. And he sees Peters lying on the grate and her body is broken and bloody. Like she's clearly dead. And he has a moment and he's like, oh no, Peters. And he like runs to her. And then Claire, like she like taps him on the shoulder or she calls to him. Right. And then he like loses his mind again. Yes. That is a good point of I Because when he approached the core, he's always sneaking back to look at his core. <laughs> like it's like his porn stash or something. Um, but he goes back in there again. He's looking at the core and then he notices Peters. Yeah. But you're right. He does kind of do like a, oh, my God. But to me, it felt a little disingenuous. Yeah, yeah. It did feel a little disingenuous the way he delivered it. But that's a good point of like that's pulling him back into the humanity side. And then Claire, his hallucination is dragging him back, Mm -hmm. which we pretty far, actually. We'll see. Yeah. Well, so this is what I wanted to say when you were asking earlier if she was on the ship because when she taps him on the shoulder he's back home with her so he's at their home and he's like at first you think she can hear him because he's like i'm so sorry i wasn't here like i know you said i was working too much and she's like putting her makeup on she's in a robe and you think she can hear him at first and then she like starts Mm -hmm. running a bath and you realize he's just reliving a memory so he's watching her take her robe off she gets in the tub and then she slits her wrists and she bleeds out and you realize she's been dead the whole time and that's what's been driving him. I think he even says not again. Not again. To her. So he's seen this which so many times. So it wasn't just once. Mm-hmm. It happened more than once. And you still didn't change your like work obsessive behavior. I think or it whatever. would make you more work obsessive, if anything. Like you would throw yourself try to take your mind even off harder into work. Because he's doing this core to what try to find her essentially. Yeah. So do you think this whole this whole thing about like light speed travel was just, just to, to find her? Go into another dimension where he could live with her yeah, again. I do. And then accidentally open the realm of the chaos world or whatever the fuck. And that I was. think that drive drove him crazy. And he so wants to yeah. be there, wants to be with her. He doesn't care who it hurts. He just wants to be with Claire. Yeah, he killed an entire spaceship's crew, and then now he's he doesn't care affecting the search and rescue crew. He wants no, to be with yeah, Claire. You're right. So you're right. 
he's on the ground. He's crying, like Jack said, like, not again, not again. And she's like, don't worry. Claire, who's in, like, this weird nude underwear, and we just catch, like, the underside of her boob. And she's, like, pulling him into her stomach. And she's like, it's okay. It's okay. I've got great things to show you. And then she puts her hands on his face in what you think is a loving embrace. And her thumbs go into his eyes, and she just his eyes out and then we snap into reality and we find that weir is doing this to himself he's gouging his own yeah, eyes out he's just kneeling on the grate just in the corner he's poked his own eyes out oh disgusting it was very gross mm-hmm. <laughs> you you got so animated like <laughs> and then he was squishing their eyeballs and it was so gross he poked his eyes out. yes <laughs> well dr weir's kind of a fucker so take that mr neil yeah I got kind of confused at this point because he's suddenly back on the Lewis and Clark with Smith. I This confused me, too, yeah. because he's just in the courtroom, and then all of a sudden he is, well, and we find out what, what he's doing here, but he is then back on the Lewis and Clark ship, but then Smith sees him leave. So he's he's like, when they first go to dock with the Invent Horizon, it's this whole process of they get the suits on, they go down this little elevator, and then they go into the like the connecting tunnel that goes into the event horizon where is just down there and 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 doesn't have a suit on he's just going down there mm-hmm. so I, I guess you don't really need one at this point because it's already pressurized and hooked up to the event horizon but oh. still he is go he is going down there and is supposed to be on the ship and smith's you know trying to call to him but he's ignoring him right smith radios miller and says he's trying to leave he's trying to leave the mm-hmm. ship and miller notices that one of the bombs is missing in the walkway thing is missing mm-hmm. And so he says, Smith, you need to get off that ship right now because yep. he think he thinks that we're put the bomb on the Lewis and Clark so that they can't escape. So I wonder if he did that earlier and they just didn't notice. But Smith sees him running well, away. So time must have passed somehow. It seems it's like a cut straight from when he's gouging his own eyes out and then he's leaving the Lewis and Clark mm-hmm. after he had just put the, placed the bomb. So like, yeah. Like you said, realistically, some time has passed here. But So Miller is like, Captain Miller is like, get out of there, get out of there. And Smith is still trying to save the Lewis and Clark. He's like, no, this is our only way home. Like, I can figure it out. Yeah. And this is kind of where Smith is his own worst enemy because he's looking around the room. He's like, I'm going to find that bomb. And he finds it, but there's only five seconds before the bomb goes off. And so you just kind of see Smith realize, like, I'm going to die. I've just doomed myself to die. Zip. And he blows up. Yep. So we're losing people yep. quickly. This part kind of pissed me mm-hmm. off because if you look at it once, once he opens up the screen of the, of the mm-hmm. bomb, oh. there there's a touch screen panel. <laughs> yes, and there is a, a button that says disarm. Yeah, he's got five seconds to hit that disarm button. He just got to tap that touch Maybe screen. He panicked, but he just goes. <gasps> he did. Oh. It's all sad. Boom. He did. Maybe he just. Panicked. That's a that's a good point, Noah. <laughs> Poor Smith. That's that is kind of sad now that you point that out because like yeah you could have lived, dude. So when this explosion happens, Cooper, who is still working on the Lewis and Clark, like outside, gets mm-hmm. like blown into space, and you just hear him going, "Why's this shit always gonna happen to me?" <laughs> I just want to. They better make like a prequel to this. I want to see the adventures of Cooper and Cooper's see what he's been great. through. <laughs> So we assume Cooper is dead because you just hear him go backwards. Right. Then you hear him and he's like, okay, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to like blow my air tank and that's going to give me enough propulsion to come back to the ship and I will get on the ship. And so you do that. And then we flash over to DJ who's in the medical bay Mm -hmm. and Captain Miller is radioing him. And he's like, hey, Dr. Weir is fucking crazy. He just blew up the Lewis and Clark. Like, I need you to come back to me. 
be be careful. Talk about an info dump. Well, yeah. He, he's basically like, Weir's crazy. The losing card blew up. Smith and Cooper are dead. And DJ's like, what? It's like, very... by all this, obviously. But DJ's like, yes. oh, it's okay. Like, he's not going to get to me. Nothing bad's going to happen. And he picks up a scalpel and he turns around and Weir, Dr. Weir is right there and, like, beats the shit out of him. He's got, like, superhuman strength or something. Now. He's motivated by evil. He has no eyeballs. Or love. Well, both. Which is stronger. Both. Your love of evil <laughs> is stronger. Love of evil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So Dr. Weir kicks the shit out of DJ and then DJ flies back onto uh, an operating table and Dr. Weir picks up a scalpel, rips open DJ's shirt, and then you see this huge scar all the way down his sternum and then you just see Dr. Weir's like cutting into him and DJ is dead. This, yeah. You don't see this happening. You just see his face and he's reacting and then he's dead. Yeah. So thank God I didn't see all that. but. Oh my god! Wow! Well, yes, <laughs> this sucked. I hated this. What? This is why I don't like this. It was movie. an epic death. What? what are you talking about? Go ahead and describe it because I'm okay. gonna start vomiting if you. If I do. Uh, do you need to pause? Oh no, I'm, I'm okay. Good. Okay, so Captain. <laughs> <laughs> so Captain Miller runs into the room. He grabs a gun yes. and he's starting to hunt for Doctor Weir. He grabs so the gun that uh, Cooper was using to repair the Lewis and Clark was like a rivet gun. He grabs oh, one of those. That's and it what was that just is. like, holy shit, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So he's hunting for Weir. To do some damage. Yes. And he see he comes into the medical bay and he sees DJ, who is like cut open and he's hung up on these hooks, again, a la Hellraiser style. And his body is just looking down over a table that's just got his organs everywhere. Like it's oh, it's so epic. You don't see anything. Well, you do see stuff, but it's like it's, it's... fucking disgusting. Are you <laughs> well? But it's nineties <laughs> horror. Who cares? It's the nineties. I care. <laughs> apparently. Okay, wait. Gee, it was so gruesome. Was... I did not need to see that. That was terrible. It was gruesome. I have a fun fact about this. Okay, so yes, Jason Isaac, the guy who plays DJ, wanted to take that cut open dummy home. Like he was after the movie. He's like, "Can I have that?" And the crew was like so weirded yeah. out that they're like, uh, no, we still need to use it. And they just lied to him and wouldn't let him take it home. <laughs> and then called the FBI. That was amazing. That, I, yes. Very, okay, very good, like design, model, whatever the hell that was. Yeah, but like, it's very creepy. So gruesome. So it gruesome. gruesome. So Captain Miller finds Lieutenant Stark, who is knocked out. They're on the flight deck now, I think. And he, like, grabs some smelling salts and wakes her up. And they're, like, trying to limp out of there. And then the chair turns around and Dr. Weir is just sitting in there. <laughs> Eyeballless with cuts all over his face. And he turns to stare at Captain Miller and Lieutenant Stark. And Captain Miller goes, oh, my God, what happened to your eyes? And Dr. Weir goes... Where we're going, we don't need eyes to see. Oh my god! Best line ever. Are you kidding me? So creepy! <laughs> oh good. He does a pretty good job of being a freaking creep. Oh, I'll say that. Amazing. Yeah, it is weird. Like, how did Weir do that so quickly? What? String him up. Like, cut him. He was Bro, doing surgery on the guy. He, like, string him. He is supernatural at this point. Okay. Okay. When his eyeballs and then he, he, out, he's like powered by the spaceship now. And so, why did he? Because he like sewed his eyes up. Did he want to look more presentable to Miller or something? Maybe. Maybe he. <laughs> maybe he just thought it would look cute. It did look pretty cute. Did it look it cute? better than before? <laughs> well. <laughs> Wait a second. What? 
Weird, you've done something with your face. What do to your eyes. <laughs> yes. Uh, at this point, the ship is being completely covered in bloody symbols, but it uh, doesn't seem to be anything legitimate. Just just some fun, old-looking text shapes. We've got a Pazuzu ship on our hands. <laughs> oh, oh, Pazuzu. Yeah. Throwing it back to the exorcist. Some kind of ancient evil. Ancient evil. Okay, so Weir's in the chair. Mm-hmm. He's in the captain's chair. Yes. Okay. Head honcho. And he's having this little conversation with Miller. Mm-hmm. And Miller's like trying to get sense from this guy. He's trying to get actual answers from I know. Weir. Like... And it's like, dude, his face is all fucked up. Are you serious? Like, he's not gonna... He's done. He's not rational anymore. But I want to point something out here. Yes. Because uh, I love to poke holes in your favorite movie. Why? Because it's just, just listen. <laughs> you won't laugh now because it's uh, just to spite me, but. So Weir triggers the gravity gate to open, mm-hmm. and he knows exactly where to push the fucking buttons, even though he has no eyeballs. He is powered by the spaceship. Explain it. The spaceship. No. The spaceship is his no, eyes. No, no, <laughs> no. Yes. It can't be. It's. It was the nineties, and it was the spaceship. the spaceship. There's no way that's the explanation. I mean, there's no explanation for any of the supernatural shit except it's the spaceship. Because otherwise, he'd just be like running around, like bonking into walls. Yeah, I mean, you can poke all the holes you want. We already did some oh, too. Oh my god. Ah! It was the 90s. I will hear no more. Can you keep putting on an A on every word you say? Oh, my God. Ah. Oh, my God. Ah. <laughs> yes, I, I do that a lot. Okay. I can't believe you shot down my great logic there. but It's the spaceship. He is the ship, I guess. He is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but that kind of goes into this, too, because Weir has opened the gateway and Stark is trying to stop him, and he doesn't even look at her when she's running up with, like, a canister of something. He just, like, doesn't even hit her. He just kind of, like, force blasts her away from him. Yeah, he, like, yeah. Which... He's the shit. Yeah. <laughs> He's a piece of shit. Well, he is that, too. So while we're Dr. Miller, Captain Miller, and Lieutenant Stark are fighting, Cooper has made it back to the ship. And he's like, I'm back! And they're like, what's that weird light through the uh, window? And then Weir just shoots a fucking harpoon gun at him and, like, shatters the glass. Which, Where did that come from? Which, exactly, because Miller had that gun, dropped it to, like, revive Stark, yeah. and then all of a sudden Weir has the gun. Oh, so it's the... This guy doesn't even need eyes, apparently. So it's a rivet gun. It's not, like, a harpoon gun. I thought it was... Yeah, like I think it just, it just happened. A to... whaling harpoon gun. I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? They're shooting whales in space now. Little heavy-handed Moby Dick reference there, yes. <laughs> So, yes. Cooper was Weir's white whale. Well, so <laughs> Dr. Weir has shot out the window, and which means that there's now like space pouring into the spaceship, which you don't want. It's essentially like so strong that it rips Dr. Weir out into space. He's floating out into space now. Off his little space chair. Off his little space chair. So Captain Miller and Lieutenant Stark are crawling to get past the flight deck door so they can shut it off so they can have access to the rest of the ship and not get blown out into space. Yeah, they're getting like sucked out of the, or almost getting sucked out of the ship at this point. Yeah. yeah. So when he pulls Stark through the door, I thought, because he like shoves like a little like pickaxe in the door mm-hmm. so it'll like won't close. I completely thought he was going to pull Stark halfway through and the door was going to close and cut her in half. Yeah. The way this door, the way this movie was going. Right? Yeah. You wouldn't be out of line to think that. It's It has not pulled any punches uh, yet. So, yeah. No. No, no, no. Yeah, just be like screaming the garage door. Yeah. Right? Caught by her boobs. Killed by her boobs. How horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Tatum O'Neill. 
So Stark and Captain Miller make it through. And then Cooper comes through the airlock. So Cooper is now in there with them. So we got three people who are alive who are running around. Mm -hmm. And they split up yet again. So Captain Miller runs off to like essentially launch the explosives on the main pathway bridge, whatever, so that he can separate the ship from the rest Mm -hmm. of the ship to like the emergency escape, essentially. Yeah. This is when the blood happens. I I said the blood too early. This is the blood part. Like Cooper is by himself and he's looking around and the walls start bleeding and he's like, what the fuck? And then (laughs) Lieutenant Stark just gets hit with this column of blood. Like it's this huge... It was so cool. Yeah, that was very cool. So much blood. Mm-hmm. So are we just like think that's like that's like the all the people's blood on the ship or like mm-hmm. where where's that coming from? What do we how do we explain this away? Oh, I like that. I hadn't thought of it, but I think that's a pretty good um, explanation of where it all came from. Oh, okay. Or it's the lifeblood of the ship. It could be the lifeblood of the ship. I like that too. <sighs> They're both pretty implausible. But, um... <laughs> It it is space. No, it is a space okay. horror movie. It, everything everything else in this movie is completely legit. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. It, everything else is perfect. Up fine. till now, it's all made total sense. <laughs> it's just the blood I have a problem with. I love this movie. So there is there's like an explosion, or there's some reason that Captain Miller, the fireman, yeah. Burning the man. burning man. The burning man like shoots a column of fire at him essentially and forces Captain Miller back towards the core. So away from safety. Yeah, it forces him to retreat. Like the flames follow him through that spinning metal cheese grater tunnel. And then he has to jump into the core room. So he's where he doesn't want to be. Because all he was trying to do is arm the bombs, grab the remote detonator, and head back and to where go back to Cooper and Stark were. Yeah. I will say the like voice acting of the Burning Man is kind of lame. Oh. <laughs> he's just like, you can say it. You should have saved me. You should have saved me. He's like, he's saying the same thing over and over. And it's just like, well, this is But if it's, dumb. if it's a thing coming up from his mind from the ship that's pulling it from Captain Miller's mind that's all he would be hearing is just over and over the same thing that this guy was screaming at him as he's dying because that's what haunts Captain Miller I'm just damn I'm I'm very I need to go back to school (laughs) sometimes they say smart things (laughs) got slam dunked on boom Uh. (sighs) okay so this part's a little weird because oh well okay the whole thing's weird but I love it um (laughs) So Captain Miller's like, you're not real. That guy's dead. I know he's not real because Captain Miller actually knows how to reason through. Like, this isn't a fucking real ghost. And it turns into Dr. Weir. And Dr. Weir's like, the ship brought me back. (laughs) So now I have a question for you. Oh, good. Just one? you can answer because you're the freaking expert tonight. Can the ship conjure any form or any body that it has killed? I would... Or, or, I mean, it can... can conjure any hallucination of the people on board but also any of the people that died like because it, it almost seems like weir is dead i mean he got blown out into space he's, he's dead so you think so it's like not because he was on the sh- weir you think it's just the space this the ship fucking with him i think it's like the ship's embodiment oh. of whatever it brought back like the evil force or the dark or whatever that was and it just happens because weir okay. created it maybe he's like the face of it or something but I hadn't thought of that. I don't know. Because, well, but Weir doesn't die on the ship, so you could be onto something there because the bodies that are on the ship, if he's able to conjure up the Burning Man and then turn it into Weir, but 
then why would it go back to Weir? I don't know why Weir's the ultimate. I, I think maybe because he made this portal. Maybe he's like the father of it or like something. He's so the he's the creator. Like the, the conjurer, okay. yeah, of this thing. I don't know. Yeah. I think I just talked myself out of my own theory there. But, well, I can see um, it, though. It's just weird how, like, we, we should say it, it is pretty cool, the makeup and stuff, because he is all cut up. Yeah. His eyes are back, magically. Well, yeah. Well, true. So maybe it is just... Like this weird embodiment, and they've just cho- chosen to use Weir as the mouthpiece because that's who Captain Miller recognizes. Miller knows. Yeah. Yeah, right. right. That's true. Okay. Oh. Look at you, Jack. Mm-mm. Mm. Not my space. No, not my space. <laughs> so Captain Miller and Dr. Weir are fighting, and then Dr. Weir's like, I'm going to kill your whole crew and I'm going to torture them for the rest of time. And Captain Miller's like, No, not my crew. Weir again like touches Miller and then shows him the torture stuff, and we get more of it in it's, more detail. It's pretty gross. It's, and what it Hellraiser again? I really don't want to watch this movie now. I'm so excited Hellraiser. for you to watch. <sighs> Jesus, it was the eighties. Um, it was the eighties. <laughs> oh, he shows him the torture place, mm-hmm. and then he says, "I think Miller says this." He's like, "So no one's died yet," and Weir says, "Yes." So they're all still alive, being tortured. All the people that have died—they're not actually dead or something, right? In this alternate universe, they're just being tortured. They're just being tortured, which is just like for Jesus the rest Christ. of time. Which I mean, great. If you were gonna think of something That's worse than hell. death, yeah, that would be hell. You're just tortured for the rest of time. So, unless you're into that stuff, which I'm not. Despite what this movie may make you think, I'm actually not into yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. I'm not. Well, so well, Hellraiser will tell you that that pain and pleasure are pretty much the same. That's thing, true. So. Hellraiser does tell you that. Uh, All right, that'll be fun. God. So yay. <laughs> so Captain Miller and Doctor Weir are fighting, and Captain Miller sees the detonator. So he's just trying to keep Doctor Weir talking while he's like scooting over to the detonator. Yeah. And in his last final moments he grabs a detonator and he blows up the core blows it all up and dr weir's like no no <laughs> my precious yeah so we get like a shot of like it looks like what happens is like a black hole is created it makes a black hole and it sucks all the ship down and everything and then it goes onto the surface of it gets like sucked onto the surface of neptune or whatever yes and watching this whole event is stark and connor they're just looking out the window and Cooper. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Stark and Cooper. And Stark just goes, Miller. Like that's her reaction to him dying and that whole event. I think they're so shell shocked at this point. Like imagine like they've Bullshit. been through all this shit at this point. You can't even process your trauma. So Lieutenant Stark and Cooper are like, Okay, the ship is on its way back. Like we gotta we gotta go into stasis. We gotta we're losing air, essentially. Like we gotta shut ourselves down so that we can get back to safety. Yeah. And then it says Jack's favorite part, which is more words on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. It says 72 days later, and then there's a rescue team that comes on to the event horizon. Lieutenant Stark, which Lieutenant Stark, Cooper, and Justin are still alive, which I forgot Justin's not dead. So they just popped Me him. too. Yeah, Me they too. popped him in a stasis chamber, I guess. If we think about this, that means they had to undress him and stab him in the neck with the thing that doesn't make you blow up or whatever. Yeah. And, like, get his body into this thing, like, while he's unconscious. I mean, it's not going to hurt. He's already unconscious. I don't know why I'm trying to put more logic <laughs> into this. I don't. 
So I'm done. I'm done. Okay. So then the rescue team is like, oh, we found three people and they they let him out. And then the guy who's rescuing Lieutenant Stark is like, it's okay. You're okay now. Um, you're safe here. You're safe here with us. And he pops his helmet off and it's Dr. Weir. And she starts freaking out. And then she wakes up for real. And you remember like, oh, they get hallucinations when they go into stasis. They're actually safe. And Cooper's like, Stark, you're safe. You're safe. And that's the movie. Hold on. Hold on. What? <laughs> hold on. I have another thing now. <laughs> yes. So they say, because Stark's freaking out, and, and Connor's like, oh, we're, we're good. We're being rescued. We're being rescued. And then the door closes on the ship. Yeah. And, the, and the, the, the rescuer is asking for someone else to come in with some kind of stabilizer shot yeah. or whatever. But the door closes. There's other people in there with so them. So is... It wasn't just one rescue guy. Why would the... I know, but why would the door close? Oh, what I'm saying is I think the ship is still sentient and evil. No, they blew up the evil part. Because it, like, closes the door. Bro, they bl- let them be the safe. Butt. They blew up the ass. And they that's blew the up part. the ass, and now they're safe. It's <laughs> fine. They're safe. Well, Noah looks like he wants to say something on this. I'm, I'm wondering if I'm thinking along the right no, lines here what? or not. Uh, I, <laughs> what? I, I don't no. know about the ship. <laughs> I don't know about the ship. But we did no. start this movie. We did start this movie with Weir coming out of stasis, already having the visions of the dark, quote unquote, of the evil entity in his mind. So she's bringing the madness back with her. How? So it's in her. How dare you? These are our two final people. They make it out. Ta-da! The movie's They do make it out. They're safe. They are alive. They're safe. They're going to infect the entire human race, and they're going to wipe us all out. Because we're going to... Have these giant blood orgies where we it eat each other. It was the 90s and I get happen. my happy ending. I'm just saying, I want Event Horizon 2, baby. Let's go. I'm on board. Yeah, how, do they, how do they explain Shut that away? Yeah, sign me up. What's the 90s? Let's get Sam Neill back on this sequel. It's Sam Neill in is he, 2023 is who's like, acting? Back. <sighs> okay, wait. Sam Neill will just, will just float around on one of those captain's chairs. <laughs> It'll just bring him around to all the scenes. Directing everybody. Well, little segue, Captain. Okay. Regardless of interpretation, I. I'm sorry. You're fine, Jessica. I'm glad you got so much out of this beautiful movie. I'm not fine, Sid. After watching this, I am fucking traumatized. Jesus. So the movie ends, and the ending song. Jack, did you pick up on this? It is. Uh, I I quick skip. Oh, it's. Funk, oh, wait, it's funky it? shit by the prodigy oh my gosh i should have listened oh to 90s amazing damn okay and that is the movie so jack there should be did you love it <laughs> okay the science part intrigued me the 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 space part of it the the you know the the lingo and the, all that kind of stuff i like the characters too the character building yeah. was good but i don't need to see torture scenes like i'm i'm I don't need to see the gore. I hated that part. I hate to that To be stuff. fair. No. But you don't actually see the torture of the alive people for the most part. A lot of the actual violence is just done in flashbacks. Why are you looking I'm at me? I'm still seeing like it. That? It doesn't matter if it's a flashback <laughs> for the characters. It's a real image oh, for me. Okay. Fair enough. And what we found out about you is you don't like asses. You think they should just blow up and that's where the evil lives. <laughs> the evil lives in the ass. <laughs> Okay. Wait. I, well, now I will say to your point of characterization, I was actually. I mean, that's where the black holes are. Oh my God, hey, Noah! Yo. 
Are you saying Noah, <laughs> his name, or Noah? Like, you keep putting an A on that. <laughs> Both. <laughs> Sorry, so, I, I, I I've got to bounce out of the studio. I've got a big event coming. Uh, it's called Horizon. I don't know. Wait I'll a second. You guys later. We're not done yet. Sit down, Noah. Okay, he, he actually left. He Shit. left. He's on his little, he's on his chair hanging from the ceiling. He's just, like, kind of moving <laughs> oh, around the room. Come back. I was going to say to your point, Jack, with the characterization, I was sad when like half of these characters, like when Captain Miller dies, I was sad. I was sad when DJ dies. Yeah. And Peter's is just kind of whatever, but. Hers was kind of like a, like you a said, she should have. It was dumb. She already hallucinated it. She should have, she knows everyone else was hallucinating. She should not have fallen for that. But like, I felt like DJ's was the worst. DJ's was I mean, sad. obviously he. Captain Miller is sad because he's sacrificing. You knew the second you met him and how much he cares about his team, you're like, oh, Fuck, this guy's going to die. Damn it. And he kept, he kept saying, I'm not going to lose I another know. team member. So, like, his sacrifice was kind of, like, set up a little bit. I with that, I think. It still makes me sad. But. Yeah. Okay. So, that's our movie. Now, what are we giving everybody, including Jack, to drink? Because Jack clearly needs a drink. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what I would give myself. <laughs> and because there's, because there's so much of it in this yes. movie. Uh, I mean, it's 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 in abundance. Um, I would give myself a blood bag cocktail. Oh my god! Ew! What's in a blood bag cocktail? Okay, you didn't. You said to you before you knew the you're, ingredients. You're right. Um, it's just the name. It's basically uh, like two ounces of vodka, okay. six ounces of cranberry juice, three ounces of Tazo passion fruit tea. I'm sure you can substitute Ooh. that. And then some fresh lemon juice. Okay, that actually sounds really good. I would drink that. Yes. The site also says to do it with bourbon, too. The same ingredients, which does not seem like a good idea. And, and as a bourbon person, please tell me if you agree with no, that. No, I mean... So you would have bourbon, cranberry juice, passion fruit tea, and lemon no, juice. No, I feel like vodka goes really well. Because you've already got Cosmos, right? Which is yes. essentially vodka and cranberry juice. So, yeah, I wouldn't substitute bourbon. That sounds kind of gross. That's not yeah. bad. So... Sorry, person online, do not agree. What about you? Well, I got mine from a podcast, or not a podcast, I'm sorry, a website called Drunken Cinema. I appreciate that, like, so many people have put thought into making different horror movie cocktails. Any excuse to drink. Any excuse to drink. So this one's called, um, (laughs) it is catered to the event horizon, and it's called a wormhole. Oh. So. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So a wormhole is. Is it just an empty glass? (laughs) black hole (laughs) so it's um one and a half ounces of fernet one ounce of cold brew coffee Mm. one fourth ounce of lime juice okay and then sparkling mineral water what's that first one what is it we need to try fernet um fernet fernet's like a after dinner liqueur essentially it's kind of like a palate cleanser i'm trying to remember what it tastes like i've had it before Mm. but it's been a while uh let me look up i hope it balances everything out because coffee and lemon juice does not sound good. Let me look up the tasting notes for Fernet. Okay, so Fernet tastes, it's a bitter, herbaceous, medicinal, and rooty. So it's supposed to be like li- oh, black licorice, no. essentially. So Sid, you probably you wouldn't like this to me? drink. You pick this movie, you, well, you I... explain all my logic away, <laughs> and then you give me a fucking black licorice drink at the end of this. I <laughs> like this my own personal black hole. Oh, well, okay. Fair but enough. it well, sounds good. Um, it sounds really good. Yeah, does it? <laughs> he is making the most horrified face. It sounds good. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Sorry. Well, Jack, I don't know if you remember last time we mentioned our email. Oh, 
What, which is what, what? What is it? I can't remember what it is. That email once again is finalfempodcast at gmail dot com. So anybody, if you want to write into us, please do. But we got our first listener email. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. So this email is so if you were to give a drink or an anti drink essentially to any of the villains from all the movies we've reviewed so far, who would you give? Malort too. And if you don't know what Malort tastes like, it is a Swedish liqueur that they usually serve in Chicago. And uh, I think personally that it tastes like a mixture of vomit and BO. My partner think it tastes like bug spray. <sighs> I have not had this. I don't want to have yeah, this. It's yeah, cool. you, you kind of went on about it, about how it it it's basically <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's like a a drink where you're supposed to be in pain or or not maybe in pain, but like it's not enjoyable at all. Is that kind of sound right? It's like a punishment. It's it's a punishment. Oh, uh, sorry. I want to mention that um, email was written in by our listener ah. Becca. So thank you, thank Becca, you, for your question. We Out appreciate of all... it. Um, again, you can write to us at finalfempodcast at gmail dot com. So yes, it is a punishment drink. So which villain are we giving of the ones we've shot gone to? over so far? Is that correct? Uh, yes. Oh, I wish I had a list in front of me of what all the <laughs> the movies we were. Um, I think I would give it to. Sam Neill, because he pissed me off. Ooh, I hate him. Uh, okay. And and he wants to torture people. It's your turn, buddy. <laughs> and drink it through his eyes. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> Down the eyeballs, Sam Neill. You heard him. Down both hatches. Down both hatches. That's right. Split it up. Or does he just have to do double shots, <laughs> one for each eyeball? Oh, uh, good party trick for him. He just has two shot glasses in his eyes. Yes. <laughs> Look at this. Okay, well, that's a cooler answer than mine. I should have gone first. Oh, wow. I'm going to go last. Actually, Noah, I know you're new, but oh, do you do you have a villain? Because I'm sure you're an avid listener of our show. That was a requirement for getting hired, so I hope so. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I've, been, <laughs> I've been following. Oh, man, my lord. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'll give you time to think because I put you on the spot. I'm sorry, Noah. So I would give Chad the Malort I, shot from Tucker no. and Dale versus Evil because Chad is a piece of I agree, shit. but how did I know you were going to pick Tucker and Dale, your favorite movie? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't give it to our heroes. Hey, I gave you. it to Chad, who is terrible and deserves the Malort yes, shot. I, I agree. He was a, he was a, a terrible piece of crap. Chad is such a bro that he'd probably take it and pretend like it didn't bother him and keep taking shots and then make himself sick and pass out. So that'd be okay though. I think all of his friends would have been okay with that. They did not like him. Absolutely. Also, after every shot, he does a little shot of his uh, inhaler like he did when he was smoking marijuana. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Okay, Noah, Uh, what you got? You know, I think I would give a shot of Malort to Jason's mother. Okay, yes, yes. I, I think if she had a few shots of Malort in her, I, I think she would have rethought this mm-hmm. whole idea of I need to go start killing people for my, my dead son. Like she'd be like, Oh man, I'm I'm in too That's much pain. Bad. I need to lay down and maybe not go stab a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> yeah, true. It would knock her flat on her ass. I'm gonna need a drink. Mama's gonna get a drink. Mama needs so And she can sleep. be joined by um Nancy's mom from Nightmare on Elm Street, because she was already kind of hitting the liquor a little bit. Maybe they can hang out. 
Nancy's mom was so blotto from Nightmare on Elm Street that she wouldn't even notice that someone swapped her vodka with Malort. She'd be like, oh, this vodka tastes different. Whatever. Alcohol's alcohol to me. Hey. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, friends. This was fun. Thank Do you, Jack. Thank you, Noah. Any other stuff we want to plug yeah. with? Like maybe a... Thank you, Jack. So we have an Instagram. Um, you can follow us at Final Femme Podcast. And then we have a Gmail. Like I said, it's um, finalfempodcast at gmail.com. We are working on merch. We don't have anything definitive yet, but we're getting there. Um, we do have a Patreon. Still we'll have to set it up, but we point. have it at least. So We, ha- we have the name, yep. so we're working on it. We've had some requests to say what our next movie is. So our next movie after this is Poltergeist, baby. Nice. Our next movie is Poltergeist, which I definitely knew. Yeah. Thank you, Noah. <laughs> We're prepped and ready to go. Yes. From the haunted ship to the haunted oh, yeah. house, baby, there is ghosts everywhere. Hey, Noah, look at that transition. I love it. Um, okay. Yes. So tune in next time for uh, Poltergeist. And if there's nothing else, we'll see you next time. Bye, friends. See you, everyone. <laughs>